0: Snowflake Carolina Snowflake Carolina Snowflake Snowflake. I'm a man guys I'm I'm Jason I'm 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 Jason Underwear pervert I'm a underwear pervert And we're back with another episode of the Carolina Snowflakes podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Jason, and I'm Amanda. And we're back. Woo. We uh, may have not. We may have not put out an episode last week. <laughs> Maybe that might be on me. Uh, <laughs> I have to apologize. But uh, the holidays are crazy, crazy times.
1: They really are. Uh, a lot of things happen. Hectic, a lot of ends. stressful.
0: Yeah, a lot of ins, a lot of outs. It's like of... this.
1: It's like this confined time mm-hmm. that you're told to like visit, have a good time, be jolly, be happy, mm-hmm. deny reality. Yep. And then, but then it's over.
0: And then it's over. And then go back. Yeah. And it that discombobulates me every year. Yeah. And it did a little bit this year. And yeah. so last week I was just like, I can't do what I want to do to put together an episode. So I was unable to. And we have to apologize to the Snow Snowflake Nation or the Snow Globe. Uh <laughs> isn't that what we said. <laughs> I think on? we did Snow Globe. Snow Globe. We have to apologize for, for that. That was uh that was unforeseen. But hey, Shit happens.
1: (laughs) Holidays, they happen. Yeah.
0: So anyway, we are back and we do have an episode this week. I have prepared something and I've been very, very sneaky about my preparations. (laughs) Very, very sneaky. I've been very sneaky about my preparations this week because Amanda here, beautiful, lovely Amanda, does not know... What we're going to talk about this week.
1: I don't. I'm completely in the
0: dark. And hopefully, neither does the audience. (laughs) Hopefully. So we're all in this boat together where I'm the only person who knows what we're going to talk about. You're the
1: captain, and the rest of us have no idea where we're going.
0: And it's fun. Usually, I leave you in the dark about a lot of the things. You don't hear the clips, but this time, you don't even know the the subject. I don't even even. know what we're talking about. I know. It's going to be, that's very interesting to me. So that adds a new little layer on top of this. experiment we're doing for an episode so i can't wait to see how it turns out i think it's gonna be great so (laughs) this is episode number 101 and it starts with the title the title of this episode this week's episode is coke money but the coke is spelled k-o-c-h
1: ah yes so okay
0: that's 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 the first hint i will give you a clue into perhaps what we're discussing so when I was trying to figure out how to begin this whole thing, I thought the first thing I'm going to do is ask Amanda a question. So, like, have you heard of a man named Fred Koch?
1: I've heard of the Coke brothers.
0: Okay. Fred Koch is their father. Ah, okay. So, his, uh, Fred C. Coke, he was born in 1900. He died in 1967. The Coke brothers are his sons, Charles and David Koch. Uh, Charles was born in 1935, and he's still alive. And, uh, David Koch was born in 1940 and died, uh, in 2019. Mm-hmm. So that gives you an idea of who they are. But I think it was interesting. Uh, uh, the Wikipedia article about him had a, like, I, I, I did a lot of looking about Fred and the Wikipedia article coincidentally was like the best, uh, summary of him that I could find mm-hmm. even on other, like more creditable websites. I didn't find a better written summary of him. So I'm just going to read from Wikipedia because it, it really is a good summary, so, uh, Fred was an American chemical engineer and entrepreneur who founded the oil refinery firm that later became Coke Industries, a privately held company which, under the principal ownership and leadership of Koch's sons, Charles and David, would be listed by Forbes as the second largest privately held company in the United States in 2015. Wow. So, that's the best summary I could find of him because that really lays it all out. He was right. a chemical engineer. He built this gigantic refinery. mega- oil refinery company uh-huh. and his sons ran it and his by twenty fifteen it was the second largest privately held business in the country.
1: What what was the first? You know, that's a good question. Yeah, I don't what know. What was number one? I don't or know what would
0: be number one. I, I guess Elon, Tesla? I don't I don't I don't know. Who knows? I have no idea. I don't know either. I don't know the answer to that. We'll have to look it up. Yeah, we'll have to look <laughs> it up. We'll let we'll let you guys know when we figure the answer to that out. So um the reason that this episode is called Coke Money isn't because it's all about Fred Coke, even though we just we just learned about him. Um, he plays a major role, but what we're going to focus on is what this obscenely rich family man started with some of his time and money when he had free time and money. We're not actually that much focused on Coke Industries, but I'm still not going to tell you what he did. You'll find out soon enough. Oh. Mm-hmm.
1: What so, a teaser.
0: Yeah, so... We got this guy. you, you can kind of picture him. So just to give you a little bit of backstory to set the I, I wrote a little tale, <laughs> a little tale of uh, Fred Koch to kind of set the tone so you get an idea of who this dude is. okay. So old Freddy Boy, when he was a young lad, he went to college and he got himself a degree in chemical engineering from MIT. So uh, he was a rich kid. His dad was a, a Dutch newspaper man. He was a, a printer who moved from the Netherlands to America and bought a newspaper. Okay, and so he, he had money and his kid went to MIT and became a chemical engineer in 1922 he went down to uh, Texas and started working in oil and he became an oil man in Dallas <laughs> oil. Um, yeah. so uh, he started working for one company in Texas then he moved to England and worked for a company there for a little while and then he and a fellow MIT graduate moved to Wichita Kansas where they became partners and then eventual owners of an engineering firm so, he worked his way up, as you do if you get a fucking degree from MIT. Yeah. I mean, so, it's, you can tell what kind of a dude he is. I mean, he, he's he got this chemical engineering degree, and he moves from company to company, constantly working his way up. He's that type of a guy. He's a businessman. Mm-hmm. A businessman. An old businessman. Uh, I don't know if he talked like that, but he did live most of his life in Wichita, Kansas. Yeah. So, I imagine he talked kind of like that.
1: Where was he born?
0: I guess he was born... His dad moved to Texas, so he was born in Texas, and then. Went- but his dad was Dutch. So but his dad was Dutch.
1: Did he have a little bit of like a Dutch accent? I guess going, so. I, I, guess. I guess
0: I guess he may have had a subtle bit of it, but he was so he was like a rich kid. You know how really rich kids end up with like weird rich accent it's not even it's not even like a a region it's just rich
1: uh money yeah yeah it's a moneyed accent moneyed
0: accent yeah i think he probably (laughs) just had that with some with some texas oil in it okay but uh i don't know maybe he was done maybe it's like y'all yeah (laughs) make
1: money off the oil
0: I don't know. This was like a long, 1922. It was a long time ago, so right, yeah. not exactly sure how he sounded. But for all we know, he was like, "Yeah, see, you'll never catch me. I'm <laughs> the oil tycoon." See, <laughs> we can speculate all day, and it right. and it is fun.
1: It is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, Fred developed a new way of getting oil, but like it infringed on several patents from companies that he had worked at, and a ton of shit got Tom tied up in complicated legal uh, patent battles. So uh, the short story is that Fred decided to go to the Soviet Union in 1928 to build oil plants because the Soviet Union didn't recognize intellectual property laws. So he basically stole the technology from the companies that he worked at, started his own company. They sued him for patent infringement. He said, fuck it, I'm going to the Soviet Union where they don't acknowledge your intellectual property rights.
1: Wow. So that's pretty dirty. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's pretty dirty. So uh, he went to the Soviet Union in 1928, built a shitload of oil plants, and uh, then Stalin happened. Right. And um, according to Fred, he felt bad for helping Stalin. But interestingly, uh, as it turns out, many years later, many, many, many years later, when when the Koch brothers were big, like in the 2015, um we found out that he had actually built oil plants for Adolf Hitler and the Nazis too. Wow. And he kept that a secret. So I don't know how bad he did feel about building those oil plants for Stalin, considering he also built ones for the Nazis and never told anyone.
1: Well, I think it's pretty clear. His his value uh, was money. Yes. You know.
0: Yeah. So you get an idea. He's yeah. kind of a shitbird, right?
1: I mean, that's definitely a shitbird, but it's also kind of gives you a, an idea of what he thought was important. His oh, priorities.
0: Yeah. yeah. It was just money. Was money. Yeah. He didn't care about oil or chemical engineering or helping anyone or he, people or people. No, he right. cared about money. The bottom line. Right. And he was pretty good at that, obviously. Hmm.
1: Well, from what I know of Coke industries and the Coke brothers, that's, uh, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean that, that continued. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So now I figured you might be seeing the direction this is going, although I suspect it isn't fully clear. No. Okay. uh, Fred did not like Stalin to the point where he became vehemently anti-communist. I think maybe because he felt guilty. Uh, That's Hmm. that's what I suspect. Because Hmm. Koch self-published a 39-page anti-communist pamphlet called... A businessman looks at communism.
1: But did he do that while he was refining oil in Russia? No, he
0: did that afterwards. He made
1: the money and then... And then left and was like, oh. Well, he left
0: once Stalin got real bad. This
1: place was so messed up. Yeah. I'm going to write about how awful it is.
0: Exactly. He went there, started making his money. Stalin got worse and worse and worse. And eventually he was like, God, this dude is too bad. I got to leave. I feel bad that I worked with him for so many years and made so much money.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel bad, but yeah. not really.
0: And so his response was to be like become vehemently anti-communist and to publish a pamphlet about how the businessman looks at communism. <laughs> All right. Uh. So, um, in that document, he related his experience in the Soviet Union and warned of of the threat of a communist takeover of America. So he he starts to get radical on it. Like, not only is Stalin horrible but the, the communists are going to come here. Kind of a Joe McCarthy. Yeah,
1: that's some some like...
0: Yeah, Red Scare Red type scare, deal. Red Scare, like, uh-huh. oh
1: no, the commies are coming.
0: <laughs> yeah, to get an idea of the kind of shit he would say, uh, I have a quote from, from this pamphlet that I just think is pretty interesting. So this is a quote from him. One of the potential methods of communist takeover in the USA by internal subversion is is infiltration of high offices of government and political parties until the president of the United States is a communist. Even the vice presidency would do, as it could easily be arranged for the president to commit suicide.
1: Interesting. So
0: he's basically going full-blown, they're going to make the president a communist or the vice president, and then kill the president.
1: Well, here's my question. hmm Do you think that he was just paranoid? Or do you think he saw so much bad shit happen in Soviet Russia that he believed that that could happen here.
0: I don't think it's either of those things. I think it goes back to the bottom line as money. Mm -hmm. And what happened was he saw that it wasn't politically tenable for him to come back to America and make more money off of oil after he left the Soviet Union unless he played the Patriot card and went full on anti-communist and that way no one would question see, okay. the shit he did in the past
1: oh right that makes sense he because he right i lost perspective there for a minute yeah, yeah. <laughs> like oh right this guy just prioritizes money Yeah, he, i mean he didn't and have, he's have like, feelings he's like i gotta keep making money uh-huh. and i'm not gonna do that if they all think i'm a communist exactly or a commie sympathizer and what
0: better way to prove that i'm not a commie yeah, sympathizer? yeah like he walks
1: back in and he's like Whoo, that shit is
0: Fuck! I made a shitload of money there, but it is fucking it horrible. It is
1: fucked! I'm, you do not want to see, yo, it's just terrible. And let me
0: become the most vehemently anti communist <laughs> person ever. That's what I think.
1: Strategy.
0: Yeah, I don't okay. think it had anything to do with how he felt.
1: Okay, I yeah, there for a minute, I was like thinking feelings. Yeah, I know. I, for Ugh. a second,
0: you gave him Ugh. feelings, and I was like, no, I don't <laughs> think that's right.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's fucked up, isn't it? Uh huh. It's pretty dirty. It's pretty transparent, too, I guess. It was easier to get away with back then because we didn't have... You didn't have the internet. This kind of information. You didn't have,
1: like, speedy, you know, information at your fingertips.
0: Right, right. Well, so Fred is called up in all this anti-communist shit, and it stuck with him to the point where in 1958, he became a founding member of the group we're going to talk about today, the John Birch Society. Oh. So that is really what Ew. what we're going to be talking about. Okay, He was a founding member of the John Birch Society, and his story is really, really important because it really illustrates what the John Birch Society is. I see. It's dirty. So, boom. <laughs> <laughs> boom. Boom. I did that. <laughs> so, uh, this is what I wrote. The John Birch Society is really what I want to get into this week because I think they are way more of an influence now than people realize. Many people probably haven't even ever heard of them, but their ideas have be- begun to resurface in conspiracy theories, uh, Q-type people, Alex Jones, Trump, and far-right politics in general. In fact, Alex Jones' father was a member and strong supporter of the John Birch Society, and Alex spent most of his childhood reading John Birch Society literature, and look how he turned out.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. So I feel like that's why we need to talk about it, is, yeah, the, like, a lot of... There were some articles that I read about this that were really interesting where a lot of people, like in the Huffington Post and stuff, were talking about how the John Birch Society ideas, specifically in the later 2010s, started to resurface in conspiracy theory circles and show up in Q and Trump-related far-right politics. Yeah. And that these ideas have become re-brought back up. They kind of went away for a while after the Red Scare. Uh, because they were real strong men. Yes. And then now they're coming back as part of this conspiracy theory. Their they're socialist commies are going to take over the government and can kill the president. Like that whole type of line of thinking is now mm. coming back and is part of mainstream right politics. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people arguing that it's like it is the sea that is influencing mainstream right wing politics. So mm. I feel like the John Birch Society is way more important than we normally would give it credit for. And it doesn't get talked about very much because you'll see why once we get into it. And I start, I do have some audio clips this week of some people talking some, some JBS that's the shorthand for John Birch society. And you'll see pretty quickly why people don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, it's bad. So, you know, that's, that gives, that's our base. Okay. That's, that's my setup here. So what do you, do you know anything about the John Birch society? Have I already told you more than you knew?
1: I don't know a lot about it. I have heard of it. I'm pretty sure we've mentioned it here on the show before.
0: Yeah, I think we have. I when can't we remember about,
1: exactly which episodes, but I feel like it's been mentioned.
0: I think you mentioned it in the episode when we were talking about r- the history of right-wing propaganda on in yeah. the news. Yes. And it got brought up because a lot of the people who are members of Birchers are also members of the media, and they own far-right-wing uh, publishing houses yes. and do news. Yes. So, I feel like I should just do some facts about the John Birch Society shittiness.
1: (laughs) Here's some shitty facts. Yeah,
0: here's some (laughs) shitty facts about the JBS uh, in no particular order. Uh, Trump confidant and longtime advisor Roger Stone said that Trump's father, Fred Trump, was a financer of the JBS and personal friend of founder Robert Wyke. Wow. Yeah, so... Uh, first, we have Roger Stone getting brought up again. He, again. he comes up a lot. That he's guy, everywhere. That guy is involved. If you can think of something bad, yeah, he's involved. Yeah, if there is
1: a burning pile of garbage mm-hmm. anywhere.
0: Roger Stone's there looking like a super villain.
1: He is involved.
0: Yeah. One day <laughs> one day, I'm going to do an episode on Roger because that guy is a hell of a character.
1: Yeah, I think we need to.
0: So yeah, Trump's dad was a big financer of the John Birch Society and I didn't know uh, was that, a personal actually. friend. Of one of the founders, oh. so yeah, that that's one thing.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Trump's former chief of staff Mick Mulvaney was the speaker at the John Birch Society's national council dinner shortly before joining the Trump administration. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> oh. Uh huh. So we had a literal like bircher bircher in the office as chief in, of staff in the White House. Mm-hmm. Wow. Recently, Yep. Wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's another random fact for you. Uh, the John Birch Society opposes a bill that would allow people who entered the United States illegally to pay in-state college tuition.
1: Wait, they proposed a bill? No, they oppose it. Oh, oppose the bill.
0: Yeah. They do not want to let people who come to America illegally pay to go to college.
1: Well, they don't want them to pay uh, in-state. In-state. They want them to pay out-of-state? I guess. Because it's like three times more.
0: I, I guess is that why yeah they well just,
1: they, well I mean if it's way more expensive you're just not going to go
0: yeah so the whole point is to not let brown people go to college
1: right and they couldn't but they couldn't they couldn't say it like exactly. that they can't exactly. say it directly like that so they have to come up with exactly. underhanded ways exactly. to exactly yeah see
0: I love how this is working because. You're starting to put together how the John Birch Society worked without me describing it. Yes. And that is that they take ideas that are fundamentally racist and they twist them to make libertarian or conservative arguments. But it, the whole point of it is just the racism.
1: Yes. It's to keep, in this case, brown yes. people out of colleges.
0: Exactly. There's no other reason I could think of why you would oppose that bill. Yes. Because if you have people immigrating here legally or illegally, wouldn't you want to encourage both of them to go to college and become productive members of society and contribute and pay taxes?
1: Yeah. Listen, if you're here, yeah, I need you to, go to, to college. A, not be dumb. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to need you to get some learnings. Uh-huh. And B, I'm going to need you to pay into my Social Security exactly. and Medicare
0: because I'm getting old. Exactly. So it, it doesn't make any sense unless you're just racist. So correct. That's that's kind of you're gonna notice that a lot with them. That's kind of their shtick. Mm. <laughs> um, the, uh, the John Birch Society, according to their website, they want to return America to what the group calls cr- its Christian foundations. So uh, they
1: want to return America to its Christian foundations. Yes. Like, did they read the Patriots Bible? Uh, maybe they did
0: read the Patriots Bible because.
1: I don't think that's reality. It's
0: not reality. It's not. But that's that's, that's their reality. I mean, Interesting. it's a very Trumpian reality. Like, this country has Christian roots. We've talked a lot about, a lot, extensively about people who want to spin, Greg Locke, for example, who want to spin American history somehow and work it into Christianity. Yeah, and so, it just doesn't? Yeah, but they're part of that.
1: That's not real life?
0: Yeah. The John Birch Society supports... Abolishing the Department of Education and the Department of Energy. <laughs> what they want us all to be dumb? Yeah, they 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 don't only want don't want illegals.
1: They want us all to be in the dark.
0: Going to college, they don't want literally
1: anybody. and figuratively. Yes,
0: and they also want the Department of Energy to go away. I wants want us to be in the dark. How the fuck that's supposed to work. So I, they want
1: literally no regulation. I guess they
0: want every state to be like Texas and have ERCOT and we'll just be fucked. They and just get want. Snowed in. I
1: think it's no regulation. Yeah. So they can drill and.
0: Yeah. And frack and yeah. dig. And if, and, and if I can build a nuclear things. reactor and power my house with it, it's totally cool. Yeah.
1: In my backyard. you Damn right.
0: Fuck it. <laughs> Apparently.
1: (laughs) That's so libertarian. Yeah, they're,
0: they're, yeah.
1: That's even bypass, like, that's not even conservative, that's libertarian. Oh, yeah,
0: just abolishing the Department of Education? (laughs) Anything
1: that has to do with, Uh with rules that they don't like, Mm -hmm. and infringes upon their own individual delusional freedoms. Yep. That's so libertarian. Yep.
0: Well, does it, does it help you know a little bit about Alex Jones to know that his his dad was a member and they had meetings at his house? And he was reading that literature growing up as a child.
1: It does explain some things. It does, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah.
0: And this is, he is the reason, part of the reason I wanted to talk about this is because that's what you get if you follow all this stuff. You get, you end up there. I just can't get over
1: the wanting to abolish the Department of Education and Energy. Mm -hmm. I mean, do they think that education should be left to the individual? Yes. So, if you're a child born into poverty or a horrible family, too bad. Like, you just can't. Yep. If you can't get educated, that's on you. Yeah,
0: bootstraps. You need to pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. That's interesting
1: because you would think that capitalists would see the value in. You would think. In at least basic education. You would think. Of like, don't you want these people to work for you in your company, perhaps? Or Mm -hmm. in your factories? And don't
0: they need to be able to make money to buy your shit?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's uh,
0: yeah, kind of like kind of kind of like
1: cutting themselves off, you know, yeah, like to spite their is. own face, like cut your nose to spite your is. own face.
0: It's very interesting too, the thought of these people having these meetings and talking about these ideas in houses with families, because that Fred Coke had meetings in his basement in Wichita, Kansas, where his two little boys were there, and this is the kind of shit they were talking about, and yeah. they grew up to be the Koch brothers. Hmm. Again, proving my point that like this shit is poison. So,
1: do you? Do you know why they oppose those? Was it because of the taxes? Yeah. Like, okay.
0: Because they don't, when when we, we'll get a little bit more into it, when we start playing some audio clips, I think you'll get a better understanding. Okay. I think that will become apparent as we continue. Okay. So, um, the keynote speaker at the organization, the John Birch Society's 60th anniversary celebration was Congressman Thomas Massey, Republican from Kentucky. <laughs> He maintained a near-perfect score on the John Birch Society's Freedom Index, ranking members of Congress.
1: <laughs> wow. They have an index? A
0: Freedom Index.
1: Oh. What a name. Oh. Have you looked at the Freedom Index?
0: We will... Uh, we can... We can... Yes. We, there, we can have some... <laughs> we can have some conversation about the Freedom Index. <laughs> okay. At some point. So, um, in July 2021, the Republican Central Committees of Cunitai County, Idaho... In Benoit County, Idaho, unanimously approved resolutions calling the John Birch Society a valuable organization that is dedicated to restoring the republic and according to its vision of the founding fathers. Luckily, the Republican Party in Idaho declined to endorse those resolutions, (laughs) but they were unanimously approved in those counties. Resolutions Mm -hmm. that just declare the John Birch Society as like dedicated to restoring the the Republic according to the vision of the founding fathers of America.
1: Restoring the Republic.
0: Yeah. I don't
1: even know what that means.
0: Yeah. See, that's where this is all going to go. Okay. Is that these people are going to say things like that a lot. They, they, the whole point of the John Birch society is to use high minded sounding things to cover up fucked up, far right, racist, xenophobic worldviews. Mm. And, Things like restoring the republic to the vision the founding fathers wanted is code for saying slavery and shit. Mm-hmm. But they won't ever say that. Right. But it is.
1: And I guess if you're uneducated, mm-hmm. those words sound good.
0: It does. That sounds <laughs> a lot better than we should bring back slavery. Yeah. But that's what they mean. Mm. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's what these people do. That's what these people do. So I think those facts kind of illustrate like what kind of an organization this is. It's far-right and anti-communist ideas are often used as a sort of cover-up for racist, xenophobic, fundamentalist Christian ideas. Mm-hmm. That's a better sentence than the way I worded it just now, but I wrote that. So it's cool.
1: <laughs> like you pointed out. Yeah. I, I, I wrote that mm-hmm.
0: myself. So with all this preamble out of the way, we're 25 minutes in. Uh, I do actually have a couple of audio clips. Not very many. Uh, I think there's three. Um, And I thought to myself, like, how can I best explain the way the John Birch Society talks? Like, how this functions? How do I show, like, how they paper over racism with boring political nonsense talk? Mm. And uh, as it turns out, all I had to do was go to YouTube and click the first two most recent videos that popped up for when I searched John Birch Society. And the first few seconds into those videos, I had everything that I needed. (laughs) So all I did was take the first few seconds of the videos that were uploaded in the last two days... And that tells you everything you need to know. I didn't need to go into anything more than that, which is kind of cool. That's convenient. Yeah, it's super convenient. So I would never subject you to the whole video, but listen to this first clip. It's going to be a guy describing what he's going to talk about. This is a 40-minute long video, and he's just setting the preface of what he's going to talk about. And it was uploaded two days ago, and it must be one of the most boring and yet somehow mind-meltingly racist things I've ever watched. Nullification, the rightful remedy. Of all the different tools to rein in the federal government, this is one that's very prominent and also somewhat controversial. The idea that a state can say no. I want to get into some of the history of nullification in our country, but first we're going to talk about a more general topic, that of interposition. Now, these words are sometimes, especially in the founding era, era used somewhat interchangeably. Interposition literally means to interpose, to stand between. Generally, it means you're putting yourself in harm's way to protect someone else against a danger that's threatening them. Interposition is a great, very broad topic. Oh, God.
1: That was disgusting. That was
0: horrible. Yeah. Do you see now why I don't need very many clips to illustrate how these people talk?
1: Um, yes. And I'm glad kind of, I don't really want to hear him drone on.
0: No, that's all I got from that guy. Because I mean, why would you, why would you continue to listen? But for the record, I did watch most of that video Mm -hmm. and the whole point is a long winded way of justifying, uh, the States telling the feds to fuck off just like they did in the civil war, which is super cool.
1: That's funny when, when listening to that clip, the first thing I thought of was, states' rights yes, he, and to own slaves. Yeah,
0: he talks like that for 40 minutes to essentially say that the Civil War is totally cool, Ugh. it's dope when states tell the feds to fuck off.
1: Yeah, you can say no to yeah. the feds. But did
0: you hear how I was presented? Nullification, a Nullification. voice of reason or whatever.
1: You can say no to the federal government.
0: Interposition, blah, 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 blah. Traditionally, blah, blah, it's blah, thought blah. to
1: stand between yourself and some other yes. threat.
0: Basically being like, no, the state's slavery was totally dope, and I love the Civil War. Yeah. But not saying that. Saying it in that manner, which is just, it's it's fucked up. It's fucked up. So that's all from that video. I couldn't mm. take that dude anymore. That dude's that dude's pretty bad. But uh, I do have a clip from a, another thing, and it's, a, it's from a 10-minute video that was uploaded yesterday, so it's even newer. Oh, wow. And uh, it's called Erasing Government Tyranny asserting sovereignty
1: erasing government tyranny where is the where is the tyranny <laughs> i feel like are we living in the same country
0: um it's interesting they're actually gonna be talking about canada in this one so maybe oh maybe that's so the no
1: i well i know when i think of a tyrannical Tyr- yes leadership of a country <laughs> i think of uh what's his name trudeau, trudeau. yes oh yeah he's oh yeah that's
0: the, the subject of the video <laughs> government's lust for power is never satisfied and it will do whatever it takes to stay in control. You're seeing an example of this through Elon Musk's Twitter revelations of the federal government's attempts to censor any and all Americans who do not swallow any of its fake science or fake medical narratives. Oh, yeah.
1: You see how that went? I think I'm too smart for the John Birch Society. Yeah,
0: the government lusts after power. It's all that it can do. It can't do anything besides <laughs> lust for power. And you can't believe it's fake narratives that's trying to shove down your throat. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Like, They just talk in those weird abstract terms because they hate rules.
1: Well, yeah. yeah and so well, I like, think what they hate most of, it, of all is uh, paying taxes. Yeah,
0: yeah. Paying taxes. Paying taxes is
1: ultimately what they pay. It really
0: sucks. I don't like doing that. So (laughs) like I think literally that was that was just a calm version of Alex Jones. Like if you listen to Alex's show
1: that's a good point.
0: It's the same thing.
1: It's the same it's rhetoric. He's, I'm angry
0: and pissed off about it and stupid. Yeah, yeah. But But um, he's saying the same exact shit. You're right. Yeah, the government's lying to you. They're You buy their fake narratives. <laughs> like, all they do is lust for power. Like, if I do it in Alex's voice, it's the same thing. It's Alex right. Jones. But the John Birch Society does it calmly, a little bit. <laughs> and that's what they are. That's, like, all you really need to know about them. Mm. But um, I have one more clip because it just... I feel like it illustrates... Again, it's Alex Jones calmly. So just think about that when you hear this clip. Canada has been in the news for years, demonstrating its penchant to dictate liberal policies that take away fundamental rights from its citizens. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has only helped make more progress toward this tyranny. Given his full embrace of socialist globalism, he has declared proverbial war on firearms, property rights, free speech, and against his own country's natural resources. <laughs> wow! Justin Trudeau has declared proverbial war on his own country's natural resources. Fuck you, coal. Fuck you, oil. Fuck you, snow. And fuck you, moose. Yeah, moose. Fuck you. I've declared <laughs> war on tundra. War on tundra. Like, what the fuck is this dude talking about? He's
1: basically saying that he hates the rules. Yeah, that are in place to yeah. protect people uh-huh places uh-huh. animals huh nature the environment yep. he hates all of that <laughs> yep. because he wants to use and abuse all of those things uh-huh. to make some money
0: yeah and and trudeau's totally declared war on it I he's do a remember, tyrant he's a socialist globalist <laughs> yeah i don't know if you remember but the time that the socialist globalist mascot gave him a big hug and he fully embraced it remember no. Yeah, that's because that didn't happen. Right. Because there is no socialist globalist. I was,
1: yeah, I was, <laughs> j- I was like trying to remember and I was yeah. like, no. No, that's
0: because it didn't happen. There's no socialist globalist and he didn't give them a full embrace. <laughs> I
1: thought maybe there was and I was like trying to remember. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Yeah, I was like, no. Yeah, I got jokes. <laughs> you got me.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, that... I don't feel like I needed to go any further after that. Like, like I said, that was the first, like, literally the first few seconds of the most two recent videos that the John Birch Society has uploaded.
1: Well, I do have a couple of questions. Maybe you know the answers. I may to the about the John Birch Society. Mm-hmm. Do how many members are there?
0: They keep their numbers uh, closed, but um, a lot.
1: Oh, so that's not public information. But we do know that there are some some people that are members, so they don't hide their membership, right? No, they
0: don't. And they do have meetings and stuff like that, but they just don't disclose numbers. Hmm. And some people have JBS meetings at their house that are official, and then other people just do it. It's got that leaderless resistance.
1: Interesting. So they
0: have the same model as Black Lives Matter as far as leaderless resistance. That's why it's named after John Birch, who wasn't the only guy, and it has several founding members. It was set so up to be leaderless.
1: Is it is the John Birch Society an American creation?
0: Yeah, I mean, yes.
1: Yeah, so yeah, this was all from the U.S. of mm-hmm. A. But is it it obviously ventures into Canada? Does it go
0: anywhere else? Well, I mean, they talk about Canada because they they think it's a good example. But, I mean, their focus is still on the United States. Uh, In fact, if you look at the comments on that video, most of them were people who were like, this is why I'm going to move from Canada down to America. And then people telling them, like, if you do that, you're just going to be getting the same shit. Right. You're
1: not improving. (laughs) Right. It's a side grade. But you wouldn't find a a member living somewhere other than I mean, I think
0: so. I think, like... I think like other um, like racist paper over things. You may like you know how Dylan Roof was like really obsessed with Rhodesia mm-hmm. and and you know the apartheid in Africa, yes. even though he he doesn't live in Africa. Apartheid never would have directly affected him, but it's something that he cared a lot about because it was a way to justify his already existing racism. There may be some people in like uh, South Africa or you know New Zealand who are down with the JBS ideas. Because they cover up their own racism.
1: But they don't necessarily have, like, a chapter there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or they, or if they did, it would be just a bunch of right-wing nutballs.
1: Well, it kind of already is. Yeah, To yeah. be fair. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, I think anywhere you have pockets of them, there may be people who are attracted to these ideas because they are a way to sound smart about your crazy, fucked-up right-wing racial xenophobia.
1: But that said, we do have... People here in the U.S. who are members who are in very high level positions, very high level positions. I mean, we just talked about one who was in literally in the White House. Yes, and Thomas Massey. So,
0: uh,
1: how many more like that that are super high up?
0: A lot, Hmm. a lot. That's why I think this issue is more important than people want to talk about. Because you hear after those clips how boring it is, you see why people don't want to get into this. I mean I don't well, Yeah, there's
1: no like flair. There's yeah. no there's right.
0: no like, you
1: know, yelling or no. or showmanship. Yeah, it's
0: not nearly as interesting as listening to Alex Jones. Sure. And also there's this, the other thing about like I could go through and calmly and using the same words they use go through and tear apart their arguments and sound intellectual about it. But it's pointless because their arguments aren't real. Mm. There's no point in debunking this shit and going and wading through it and talking about how bad it is because it's not the point. Anyway, it's propaganda. They already believe the racism. This Mm -hmm. is all just show to distract you. Mm. And that's why I don't feel the need to really go into it because like their actual talking points are so convoluted and boring and they're designed that way so that you tap out instead of calling them out on it. And maybe a better man than me could go through and do it, play their <laughs> game with them, but I'm not doing it. Yeah. But I could see well, that. Well that's it could also be part done. of
1: their their um selling point is they're like, see how calm we are? We're yeah. not we're not having to do the the pomp and circumstance and the yeah. grand show and the yelling and the pounding right. your fists on the desk. And mm-hmm. we don't have to do that. Right. We're above that.
0: Yeah. But as, as a uh, people, as you and I who are making a comedy show, uh, that's not the best, uh, people to talk about. <laughs> well,
1: no, I understand that, yeah. but I'm saying I get how that tactic, that technique oh, yeah. or whatever is part of their brand. It is.
0: It is. And so, that's the John Birch Society. That's probably all you need to know about them. Uh, I, I I don't think that there's much else that you need to know about them.
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess if you can't sleep, you could put on those videos and...
0: Yeah, they're incredible. are incredible. Like I said, I watched <laughs> the one. I watched the one, and the only thing I was like, I could just cut the first few seconds of this and be like, this is the whole thing.
1: Did you feel sleepy? Like... I just Well, yeah, and I was
0: just like, I know what this is. Like, he just is justifying the Civil War. Like, I knew from the beginning that's what he was going to be doing when I read the title. Nullification. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, he's going to be justifying the Civil War. Yeah. And that's what it was doing. So it's like, there was no surprises, so it's, Mm -hmm. you know. But I only picked those videos because they were literally uploaded the last two days by the John Birch Society.
1: It's just interesting. The whole thing is just interesting.
0: Yeah. So those weren't, like, videos of people talking about it or whatever. That was their videos that they're Mm -hmm. uploading. Okay. Yeah. Official. They, they didn't have, have a, a lot of watches. They have a
1: YouTube channel? Yeah. The John Birch Society has its own YouTube?
0: Official, yeah. Huh. It does not have a lot of uh, people on it, but... Uh, well,
1: it's because there's nobody yelling or ranting or...
0: And because if you look at the comments, you can see that uh, they, they they push that content off a lot. It, does, it gets taken down off of YouTube a lot. Hmm. And so, people are like, I'm surprised this many people listen, considering this platform's a liberal hellscape. <laughs> so... <laughs> I think you could probably get a lot more of their material on rumble or something. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Or I assume their website. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, their website. Yeah. I mean, I got
0: some of that from their website, which yeah. is obviously garbage.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So yeah. Um, If you have any other questions about the John Birch society in the future, or if anybody out there in the audience has any questions about the John Birch society, you could totally email me and I will try to get you the answers because, uh, I'm interested in it. Uh, it's, it's really worth talking about even though it's kind of not. I'm torn. <laughs> I'm torn in a, in a way. Because I do see the value in tearing it apart because maybe you could save somebody from going down that rabbit hole. But I think all I really need to do is point it out be like, look at that big ass rabbit hole. And hopefully nobody that listens to our show will fall in it. Well,
1: that's if they what, listen to us, then they're not going to fall for that's it. That's my hope. Our listeners are way too smart my for hope, that. My
0: hope is with this episode, I've at least pointed out this big-ass rabbit hole. It's going to be take a better person than me to actually tackle it, but there you have it.
1: I'd be curious to hear from somebody who knows someone who's a member.
0: Oh, I would love to hear about that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Email us about that. <laughs> yeah, no
0: shit. <laughs> and if you're going to do it, send it to uh, carolinasnowflakes at gmail.com. You can find that link on our website, which is carolinasnowflakes.com. And be sure to tune in next week because we're going to have something special next week as well. So, very sneaky times. Sneaky. This is the Sneaky Times episodes. And uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Love everybody. Bye.
1: Well, I think what they hate most of of all is uh, paying taxes.